Hello, welcome to Sunday service. How have you been? I trust you're well. I trust that all is well with you. How are you doing? I'm so happy that you're able to join us this evening for service. Last week, we looked at Jesus's commandment, but we didn't arrive at the exact commandment. We looked at some of the commandments that he gave, like a summary of the Old Testament. And in that commandment, he talked about loving God. And not just loving God, but loving Him with all our hearts, mind, and strength. And I too, that talks about the three-dimensional man loving God. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. Loving God. And you can see that the bottom line, or would I say the underlining factor of the commandment is love. Love for God and love for man. And we looked at the things that if you do or if you are involved in, God will feel love. I know most of you want to feel loved. Most of you want your partner to do things that will make them not just know that you love them, but feel that you love them. And we mentioned a lot of things that make God feel loved by us. You know, we looked at enduring things for his name, enduring things for his mission. We looked at um, service, service to God, doing and obeying and fulfilling the global commandment of missions. And in my own opinion, one of the ways that God filled love, the greatest of them all, is obedience. God wants us to obey him. God wants us to do the things that he has said in his word. God wants us to live a life of obedience to him. That's exactly what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is all about obedience to God. So as far as I'm concerned, that is the greatest way to show God that you truly love him when you obey him. And we looked at the fourth thing on my list of how God knows that we love him. And that fourth thing is when we give to him. God usually tests men that he walks with, men that have encountered him in the scriptures with this thing. The greatest is our father Abraham that he told to give up his only son, his only son. And the Bible says that Abraham rose up very early in the morning to go and obey God. Abraham passed that test with flying colors. And that is awesome. And when he was done with that test, God said to him, Now I know that you love him. God doesn't know that you love him by singing worship songs to him. Say, Lord, I love you. Or by crying late in the night in your bed and say, Lord, I love you. That is not how God knows that you love him. That is not how God feels love. God feels loved when you obey him. Jesus carried on with that tradition in the New Testament. A rich young ruler came to him in the scriptures in Mark chapter 10 and asked him, Master, how would I inherit eternal life? You can also see a connection of this to inheriting eternal life. And Jesus told him, oh, you know the laws, go and do it, don't kill, don't fornicate, don't commit adultery and all that. And the man said to him, Master, I have done all of this since I was a youth. And God, 
around and Jesus agreed with him. That means he didn't lie. Jesus said, yeah, 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 you have. Sure, I can testify to that fact that you have. But he said, but one thing is left. He says, go sell everything that you have. Sell it. Give it to the poor. And come and follow me. And the man turned around, shook his head. That commandment, that instruction was more <laughs> than he could bear. And he walked away. And Jesus turned to his disciples and those around that cared to listen to him and said to them, See, that it is hard and it's much easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Holy Spirit, I ask that you teach us this evening. Show us revelation. Unveil your word to us. Code it upon the fleshy parts of our hearts. Speak to us, Lord. Not my words, but yours. Cause someone here to develop personally and to experience transformation of his or her soul in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that was where we left it out. So we started looking at giving to God. And we took it a notch further to giving in the New Testament. What are the laws of giving in the New Testament? How should you, as a born-again Christian, living in this new dispensation of grace, under the jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit, how should you give? Should you obey the laws of giving of the Old Testament, or are there a new set of laws that we should go by today? And I said something last Sunday, and please don't ever forget it. I said anything that challenges your giving to God is not from God. God will never, ever, never, ever ask you not to give to him. Because there's a natural law that God himself put into place. There's a natural law that God himself put into place. That's why it confuses a lot of Christians. Why unbelievers prosper and yet the believers don't prosper as the unbelievers. Well, this is one of the reasons. There are many other reasons I mightn't get into today. But this is one of the reasons. And it is a natural law. When Noah came out from the ark after the flood that engulfed the entire planet, he offered sacrifices. The clean birds and animals that he had, he offered it to the Lord. And the Bible said that God smelled a beautiful aroma, pleasant aroma, and said to Noah, he said that he'll never destroy the earth again by or with water, rather. He now said to him, he said, see, as long as the earth remained in Genesis chapter 8, he said to him, seed time and harvest time will never cease. What does that mean? If you want harvest, if you want more, sow. If you want increase, give. Whenever you let something go, the natural law is that it will return not just in the exact amount that you let it go. Jesus said that it will return, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He said that will men, not God, give put into your bosom. What does that mean? Every giving that you embark in, every charitable work that you embark in, it is men that will be used as a vehicle, as a vessel by God to bless you. That is why no matter how much 
you depend on God for blessings, also learn to have a very good interpersonal relationship with men because God will bless you through men and women. That is why when God speaks to men and women to bless you, but you don't have a good interpersonal relationship with them, it becomes a challenge for you to receive that which God has authorized. Because the reservoir might open up its taps. Oh, what is it called again? Uh, sweet spirit. Floodgates for the water to pass through. But if the canal or the channel through which that water is supposed to pass through is clogged or blocked, no matter how much the reservoir has released, it will not get to its final destination. So that is why having interpersonal relationship with men and women is so important. A lot of Christians don't understand this because nobody taught them that. They only taught them that God will bless you whenever you give. He can't beat God giving. That is true. But when God releases, the question is, is the channel through which you will receive those blessings clogged or blocked? How vast is your net of influence? How big is your network? How big is your network? How far-reaching are your tentacles of men and women? That is why interpersonal relationships are so key to your blessings. Are so key to your blessings. Hallelujah. So last week, I mentioned that to you. Never ever let anyone stop you from giving. Don't let anyone dissuade you from giving. Don't. Because it is a natural law that through giving, you prosper. Through giving, you increase. You increase. Don't forget that if you are taking notes, write it down. And I want you to go to the comment section and write it down. Say, my giving produces an increase. Say, my giving produces my harvest. Put it in the comment section. As you write it in your notebook in the comment section, you embed it in your heart, never to forget it. You write it on the fleshy parts of your heart. The second thing I also talked about last week is that in the New Testament, don't allow anyone, especially preachers, compel you to give. Always learn to listen to your spirit for guidance on what to give and when to give. Never, ever allow anyone compel you to give. I'm going to show you some other guidelines on giving in the New Testament. But I want to say this about tithing because it has become a seriously controversial subject. People no longer pay their tithes because of one thing or the other. And I want to just say something or show you something or point your eyes on something and leave you to reflect on it. People have said that tithing happened before the law and they're absolutely correct and they will always revert to Abraham giving a tenth of the spoils that he gathered from defeating five nations. 
The Bible says that when he came back from defeating those nations with 319 men that were trained in his house, that the prince Melchizedek that the priests, rather, Melchizedek, accosted him. And the Bible says that he took one-tenth of all the spoils and offered it to the prince of Shalom, the prince of peace, Melchizedek. And he returned the rest. And he said something profound. He said Don't, that he doesn't want these men, these kings, no man to ever say that they are the ones that made Abraham rich. That is a man that understands where the source of his blessings come from. He knew that the source of his blessings come only from God. And he depended on God for, for every blessing he received. He knew that God was his only source. So let this man not think that they're the ones that made me rich. And he returned it. Now, the question is, who told Abraham to give a tenth to that priest. Who told Abraham? You will not see anywhere God instructed him verbally to do that. But there is a peace of God in every human being, right in your spirit. <laughs> As your conscience guiding you from good and bad. Bible the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. God leads you through your human spirit. I totally believe that something gave him that idea. Something gave him that inspiration. Because no one before his time did that. So it wasn't like he had a reference point to give a tenth. Something inside told him to do that. That is why I believe giving a tenth is a supernatural principle. If you like, argue that it's in the law, argue that it's not in the law, but there is something sacred about the tenth. Call it whatever you want to call it. Don't even call it tithing. Call it a percentage. Call it something. But make sure that there is a percentage of your increase and income that you give to God. That is why I said this is the law of giving. Following that impression in your heart to give. And I believe that there wasn't any other record of Abraham doing that, but it is possible that he continued that practice because his son, or rather grandson Jacob, when he was fleeing from his brother, running back to the oil of Chaldean to meet his uncle Laban, when he had an encounter with God, with angels ascending and descending from his head, the Bible says he rose up and said, God was here and he knew it not. He put a stone, poured oil on it and dedicated it as an altar to the Lord. Then he made a vow there to pay a tithe, to give a tithe to God. Where did he learn it from? We could now say that he learned it from either his father who learned it from his, from his grandfather. There was now a precedence. But before the precedence, who gave Abraham that inspiration? I want you to go and think carefully about that. You now begin to understand why I always say this. Be led to give. Don't be led by man. Be led by the Spirit of God. To give. 
to give. This is the number one law of giving in the New Testament. So we're going to take it off from there. Glory be to God. So there are several other things I want to show you. There are several other things I want to show you. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. There are some principles there I would like to point out. The Bible says there, I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says there, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. So there are three things there. Number one, give yourself to the Lord. Give your life to God. Accept Jesus into your life. Number two, give to ministers of the gospel. Give to them. He said they first gave to the Lord and they gave to us. Give to the ministers of God the best way you can. But give, remember the underlining principle, as you were led by the Spirit. Don't let any man of God manipulate you to give to them. Always give when the Spirit directs you to give. Don't be under duress when you are giving to any man of God or to anyone for that matter. Follow the willing of the Holy Spirit, which is the 30th there. It says, by the will of God. That means in, in accordance with his leading. So you can see these three you know, principles or guidelines of giving the New Testament just from one verse. Why is your giving, your wealth so important to God? It is so important because your wealth is the number one most singular thing that competes with God for a place in your heart. Oh, <laughs> I'll say that again. Your wealth is the number one most singular factor that competes for a place in your heart with God. When you read that place in Matthew chapter 6, the summer of the mountain, towards the end of that chapter 6, Jesus spoke a lot about money and finances. It is so, so important. He talked about laying up treasure for yourself in heaven where no rot or moth can attack it and destroy it. He spoke a lot about it and he now came up to a point when he talked about a man serving two masters. And I expected Jesus to say, you cannot serve God or Satan. But what did Jesus say? He said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, meaning the evil influence that controls the economy of this world, that controls your money, that controls your economy. Mammon. He said, you cannot serve God and at the serve mammon. In other words, you cannot have God take that place in your heart and at the same time, mammon taking up that place in your heart. See, you can't have it. You can't have it at the same time. See, see, either God is there enshrined and mammon is kicked out or mammon is there enshrined and God is kicked out. And one of the ways to know who is in control of your heart, who has totally seduced you in your heart, is to check your checkbook. Go back to the stub of your checkbook. Print your bank statement at the end of the year. Apart from the basic human needs of rent, food, and clothing, what else took the bulk of your finances and your resources? Whatever took the bulk of it is the one that has a seat in your heart. This is exactly what Jesus meant 
in that place in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And I like this translation. He said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. He said, You cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. You cannot do that. And this is really profound. I just want you to pause and think. That's the next point I'm going to give you. Giving shows whom you owe your allegiance to. Your giving shows who has taken that place of worship, love, and loyalty. That place, that's it in your heart. Hallelujah. Then last week, I talked about this. Don't borrow to give to God. And I told you last week that God will not bless you. So listen to that message. Don't borrow to give. God doesn't want you to borrow to give. I gave you scriptures of that. The next I'm going to show you one of the principles or guidelines of giving the New Testament is that you give weekly. So you must have a habit of giving to God. And Paul suggested weekly. You see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and verse 2. He said there that concerning the collection, that is the giving for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches in Galatia, he's now writing to the churches in Corinth. He said, so you must do also. And what is that? So on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there should be no collections when I come. So he told them, every week, set something aside for this cause. Every week, set something aside. And that's the way we should give. That doesn't mean you must be restricted to it. You can give monthly. What I used to do is when I pay my tithe, I also calculate my offerings for the month, add it to my tithe, and give it once. I do that, and I still give my offering when I come to church. <laughs> That's the reason why I do that. So you can do it monthly, however way you want to do it. But make sure whatever you're giving, either annually, quarterly, biannually, whatever, can be calibrated down to a weekly portion, if you know what I mean. Also, there he now said something, give as you may prosper. Give as you may prosper. That's the next guideline of giving. Give in accordance to your means. Jesus talked about this particular law <laughs> without mentioning it as a law when he sat by the collection box. A man that came to the synagogue that day were giving. But they noticed that Jesus was in the house so they wanted to flaunt their wealth to give an impression that they give, not knowing that the master knows everything, knows everyone. So the rich man will come with a pouch of coin, dance around the collection box, like we do in Africa, and give and give and give and drop the coin so Jesus will see they're giving loads. The Bible records that a woman, a widow, came quietly, casually, to the collection bowl and dropped two fathoms. When the other rich men were giving and flaunting their wealth, Jesus did not utter one word. But when this woman gave, Jesus said, 
to his disciples. He said, out of all this show and display of wealth, none of them gave more than this woman. And he said something I'll never forget. He said that she gave all her living. She gave all her living. And I think that is profound. She did not give 10% of her wealth, 1% of her wealth. She gave 100% of her wealth. So when your giving reflects a huge chunk, proportion, percentage of your wealth, then God recognizes it. Just give as you may what? Prosper. Your giving is a test of love for God. I mentioned that last week. And I mentioned it again today. God asked for Abraham to sacrifice his son. Jesus asked the rich young ruler to give his all. You see the proportion of giving that God notices when you give your all. When you give your 100%, God notices it. We call it in a religious lingua, sacrificing. And Paul also spoke to the Corinthian church about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. He said, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing. Are you seeing? It's a test. Your giving is a test of how much you love God. I am testing the sincerity of your love by your diligence when it comes to giving to others. God knows that you love him when you give to him. God knows that you love the brethren when you give to the brethren. When you make contributions for charity, when you make contribution for all those charitable projects that the church is involved in, it is a test of diligence. It's a test of love to others. When it comes to giving, God believes in equity. We talked about that in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 14. And I believe that is important. I don't know what you've learned today. To next Sunday, I will now show you that commandment that Jesus himself gave. That commandment. The commandment of Jesus. So please don't miss next Sunday. It's going to be an interesting subject. People in church nowadays don't like it when we talk about giving. Listen, I told you two, one thing at the beginning. A warning. What is that warning? Anyone, anything that tries to stop you from giving to God is not from God. Now, here the second warning as I share the grace. Whenever you're in church and the subject of giving comes up and something inside of you becomes, you know, you're no longer comfortable, then there is a problem. There's a problem. Everything I'm saying is my own experience with the Holy Spirit. Everything I'm saying are teachings the Holy Spirit himself taught me. Once you're in church and you hear about giving, something inside becomes unsettled. There is a problem because God tests your love by your giving. God will never ever stop you from giving to him. Stop you from giving to charity. Real charities that touch lives. God will not stop you from helping somebody 
in me. Do you know what the Bible says? That when you give to the poor, you lend to God. Isn't that amazing? We, we, we are in an economic crisis in the world and yeah, the financial experts are telling us that one of the ways just to make sure that inflation don't grow out of control, that that, that, that doesn't happen, to put everything under control, is some physical policies and some monetary policies that must be in place. One of is the increase of interest rates. Now, when interest rates increases, what does that mean? Everything you have on credit will increase. You have to pay more to service those debts. Your mortgage will increase, your car not to increase. Everything increases. Everything increases. So we're in serious financial crisis. And from my experience with God and the little time I've lived here on earth, I found out that one of the keys to increase, to have sustained supply despite dryness and scarcity all around is by giving. The one that scattered says will yet increase. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. How do you release, give, give out things and yet you increase. It's a mystery. It isn't so much of a mystery because it's a law if you understand laws. It's like saying, why would you jump out from a 35-story building and fall? Why? Why? Why don't you just glide and fly like the eagle? But we know there's a law called the law of gravity. which states everything that goes up must surely come down. We have so much faith in that. That is why you will not let me throw you out of the window of a 45-story building in Dubai. You won't let me do that because you have so much faith in the law of gravity. Why don't we have faith in the law that God himself gave and spoke about? So see, so far this earth remains seed time and harvest time will never cease. And that's how you run your life. Why do you go to the shop and you're sure that you have groceries to buy? Because of this law. The farmers are constantly planting so they will have harvest which they bring to the shop and you buy them. So you have, and you're going to the shop with so much faith knowing that you have to buy because of this law. But when it comes to church and the things of God to put this law to work it becomes a problem the key out of hard times financial struggles is giving that is the key that is the key that's why I'm preaching this that's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching that is the key and if something on your inside it's not comfortable. Please come and see me. We need to talk. We need to get rid of that thing because that thing is like a self-destruct device in you to bring you to destruction, to bring you to 
financial penury. Don't ever pass up an opportunity to give to God. Don't ever pass up an opportunity to give to the man that feeds you spiritually. Don't ever pass up an opportunity to give to the less privileged. In this giving are the keys to increase prosperity, well-being, and health. Father, I thank you. I know you've spoken to us this evening. I ask, Lord, that you bless your people, that you increase them. Let this law that you put into motion be engraved on the fleshy parts of your heart, never to lift. As they go in faith, listening to you for direction on what to do, Lord, I ask that you increase them, that you prosper them, that you make them mighty on this earth in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now we have an opportunity to give. It's time to practice what you just learned. If you have something to give to pay your tithe, this is the time to do it. Father, I release your blessings on this one. They've heard your word, and as good disciples, they are obeying your word. And this is one way they show you that they love you. It's by obeying your word, your instruction. As they give, Father, increase them, multiply them, and establish them here on earth. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Join us for Exposé on Efficiency. It's going to be interesting and hot on Tuesday. It's getting interesting. About tying up that chapter 3 of Ephesians. It's going to be awesome. Hallelujah. And don't miss Wednesday and Friday prayer meetings. Go increase. Go prosper. For the Lord God of hosts is with you. Bye-bye. See you on Tuesday.